Amen. I want to continue this conversation we've had now for the past several weeks on worship. I know I went over several things over the last two weeks. I spoke about, you know, the, the, the idea of waiting on the Lord. At one point I talked about what wait meant, you know, worshiping and intensely trusting God, no matter what your situation is. Um, I also talked about David, the worshiping warrior who in spite of his background, his, his size, you know, all of, the, all of the things, even his family neglecting him, when it came time to make the choice, they didn't mean, you know, you know, there are times where people will overlook you. You understand what I'm saying? There are times where people will underestimate your ability. There are t- but you need to understand that your call is not in the hands of a man. It's in the hands of God. Are you hearing me, young people? No matter what your size is, what your color is, what your education level is, it does not matter. It is the size of your God that matters in this season. And if you're not trusting him, if you're not waiting on him, if you're not spending time in worship, experiencing his presence, you might even fall for the lie that, hey, I'm, ne- I'm never going to be anything. I-, 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 I, don't- I don't know how to speak. Moses said, I don't know how to speak. You know, Gideon said, I'm, I'm the least of these. But it is in the place of worship that you begin to understand, first of all, my size or my shape does not matter. It is the God that I worship that matters. And we've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. Last week, I talked about deliverance, the fact that Paul and Silas, in spite of the environment and the struggle that they were going through in prison, wrongly in prison for something they did not do, they were beaten for preaching the gospel and they were in prison, but their attitude was not bound to their location. Somebody hear me. Their attitude was not tied to their location or their situation. They said, I can be in stocks, in chains, in prison, but my goodness, my condition does not determine how I worship. Even in prison, they opened their mouths and they worshiped. And I also said last week that their worship led to the deliverance of others, even those that mistreated them. And you need to understand, people in life will mistreat you. People will abuse you. People will say all kinds of things about you. You don't stop loving on them because they hate you. And I know that's true because Jesus on the cross said what? Forgive them what? Come on, talk to me. Forgive them. Father, for they don't know what they're doing. Like, they really don't know. If they knew, they won't touch you, child of God. If they knew, they won't insult you. But sometimes they don't know. And even if they know, it does not matter because your attitude towards them might be the change point for their lives. And this is the story of the Philippian jailer. You heard the story. We talked about it last week. Okay? But today I want to shift gears a little bit because I want to talk about something that I think that's really relevant to the whole conversation of worship. You understand me? Um, if we make the crucial mistake to think that worship just happens by happenstance, we're sadly mistaken. You see, worship is a, it, 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 it's, it's a reality. It's not a thing that we do on Sunday necessarily or on a Saturday or in a Bible study. No, worship is the constant recognition of who God is, why God is, and who he is to you. Okay? Um, I want us to consider something. You know, over the last, was it a week or two ago, uh, we had a crisis in this country, mainly on the eastern seaboard, on our side of the country. It was called the gas crisis. How many of your parents were impacted by it? How many of y'all like went down there like the lady, I saw a meme where this lady had plastic bags and she was filling up those plastic bags. How many of y'all parents did that? If you're online, you did that, you need deliverance through worship. 
I mean, the, the lady was literally putting gas in plastic bags, you know, afraid. And they had this other one where the lady had a laundry basket with holes in it, putting gas in the, I mean, you know, you know, the internet has no forgiveness for you. If you act a fool, it will expose you. But I don't care how much gas you got, uh, you know, during the crisis, whether you went, I went to Sam's Club, Sam's Club had enough gas, we got enough for our cars. Um, I, shout out to Sam's Club, shameless plug. <laughs> Get a Sam's Club membership, you'll be good to go. But I don't care how much gas you have in your car. I don't care how full your tank is. How many of you know that if your car does not have an engine in it, you're not going anywhere? How many of you know that? Uh, hello? A car without an engine is a fancy piece of metal. Some of y'all, your favorite cars is the Tesla, is the Jaguar, is the Maserati, it's the whatever your favorite car is. You know, I know a young man in here who remained nameless, his car ended up becoming scrap metal. No shade, just lots of love. <laughs> Are you hearing me? A car without an engine is just a fancy piece of metal. In like manner, a believer without the heart, the proper heart of worship, you're just good for furniture. You just, you just look good. And today I want to deal with the heart of worship because Jesus dealt with it and I think it's important that in this time, your heart, my heart, must be centered in the proper place when it comes to worship because I can look good. You know, I can put on a suit, boy, and look fresh with it. I can even hold a Bible. I can even sing the songs that we sing on Sundays or whenever we're here worshiping. I can even quote my Bible's verse and put it in a meme or put it on a, on a, on a, on a social, somewhere. It doesn't matter if your heart is not right. It is all just show flow. Somebody with me? You understand? So we're dealing with the heart of worship. And I told you guys, I love how words play out. And so when, when I begin to think about this sermon uh, title and things like that, you know, you know what the heart of worship really spells? How? Heart of worship. How? How am I going to experience the presence of God? How am I going to enter into that place where I can experience the tangible, the manifested glory of God? It is through the heart. It's not the external. Say it's not the external. So it's not the outer frame. I want to I make this point before I go into any of the verses that I have because the truth is we can come here until Christ's return. If you think that God is interested so much in how high or how high or how you look with raising your hand, look, he wants the heart because out of the heart, everything that matters to you shows up. Somebody hear me? Okay. Let's go somewhere. Let's go somewhere. Give me Matthew 15, 8 to 9. We're going to read this. This is our key verse. Write this down. Take a note. Snap it. Take a picture. Whatever you got to do. But I want you to go back and read the entire chapter. But we're going to focus on this part. Because the basis of this scripture, this chapter, um, starts off with Jesus and his disciples. And they're going to, you know, somewhere in the mix. And the disciples pick up food without washing their hands. Okay? And they begin to eat. And the Pharisees and the scribes were completely upset. They, I mean, they were perturbed. Like, what is wrong with your disciples? I mean, don't you understand? Let me put it in today's context. Don't you understand that you got to wash your hands and sanitize your hands? And you know what I'm talking about? For the last 12 months, we've been sanitizing like crazy, washing our hands and cleansing our hands. I see my brother walking in here. He's, he just got done sanitizing his hands. 
and the, and, and the scribes and the Pharisees were upset. Why is it that they can take food, bread, and eat with unclean hands? And I mean, they made a big, they made a big stink about it. I mean, they were upset with, with Jesus' followers and all these things. And this, this, is, this is how Jesus begins to, so he begins to go through this whole spiel. That, like, look, it's not what goes into your mouth and comes into your belly that makes you defiled. It's what comes out of your heart and out of your mouth that makes you defiled. And he explains that whole piece to them. And then we land on verse 8 where Jesus then turns to his disciples and says, these people, say these people, come on, say these people. You see, that, that's, that's specific to a group. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart, say their heart, come on, say their heart. He said, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Go to verse 9. He then goes on to say, and in vain they worship me. And say in vain. Come on, say in vain. They worship me. In vain they worship me. What does it mean when something is in vain? It's wasted. Okay? In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I mean, Jesus even at one point checked him and said, you know, you violate the, 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 the code of God for the sake of your tradition, and you're teaching your tradition as if to say it is scripture, and you're, you got people living in bondage. Be careful when people begin to try to throw tradition at you and say that's what God says. Therefore you must live according to their cultural tradition. Even in church we got culture, and, and sometimes we can be traditional. You can't dress this type of, I'm not saying come up here, you know, looking half crazy. You can't wear this on yet. You can't do this. We kind of bind people in the knot with our tradition, and the whole point of coming here was to worship God. There are so many people that are going to come out of this pandemic who don't know your Christian needs, who don't know my scripture and my verses. And until we get to know them and establish relationship with them and they become disciples, don't wear them out with your traditions. Hello? Are you hearing me? It's so crucial that we don't do that. So this is the backdrop. Jesus said, these people, he said, these, say these people. These people honor me or draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. Apparently they're doing the right thing, but in the wrong way. He said their hearts are far from me. So I want us to look at what he says, you know, because I like to, when you read the scripture, take it one bit at a time. Your mom always tell you, chew your food slowly. Well, I'm going to say this to you, my young man, my young woman. Read the word slowly. Don't rush through it to fulfill all righteousness, to say, I read my Bible today. No, there's just so much loaded in each line. And so we're just going to look at this first aspect of this verse. Go back to verse 8. These people, who is he talking about? Who is Jesus referencing? Who is he pointing out? Who is he identified in this, in this situation? He said, these people, I want us to talk about these people. These people, the religious leaders. These people, the law keepers. These people who wore the garment, the robe, the, the big robe with the belt, and they went to the temple every day, or, or, or in our day and age, went to church every Sunday. These people, these people who knew how to pray the right prayer and say it the right way and dot the I and cross the T when it came to a message, these people. He said, these people, 
these people. You know, Jesus had a way of describing people, you know. He has a way, not had a way. He still has a way of describing people. I want you to see what he's saying about these people that we're talking about here. Go to Matthew 23, 27 to 28. Let's look at that real quick. I told you he was talking about the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious folks, the folks who looked down on the people who were helpless and, and, and hurt, okay? The people who didn't have a way or a truth or, or a way to life, okay? He looked, they, they looked down on them. This is how Jesus describes these people. He says in Matthew 23, 27, woe to you, which means I am so sorry for you. I, 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 I feel a lot, of, a lot of pain for you. I, it, it's so pitiful. Woe to you. Scribes and Pharisees. And then he pauses and then he says, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. I told you earlier, young people, don't miss this. Don't miss this. You know, Jesus is not interested in looking apart. He's not. Clearly, if, if it was all about looking apart, if it was all about looking a certain way, having your Christian outfits, you know, who wear our church clothes, the one your mama tell you, you know, you only wear that on Sunday. Yeah, that particular shirt, that's for Sunday. Any, anybody got parents that do that to them? Now, you can't wear that any other day of the week but Sunday. Oh, yeah, I see some heads nodding because it's true. Okay? Your church clothes. You come looking well-dressed in your church clothes. Outwardly, you look good. But Jesus says, inwardly, he said, outwardly, you look like you are a whitewashed tomb. I don't know how many of you know what it means when somebody says something is whitewashed. Any of y'all know what it means when something is whitewashed? Okay? <laughs> you know, I'm from Africa, and so I can give you a little description. Usually, when we build a fence, before we put any actual paint on it, we'll put what is called whitewash. And the whitewash covers the concrete in such a way where, I mean, it's like, wow, that's a pretty fence. From a distance, it's, it's really clean, it's really white, it's really, it's fresh. It's almost like a primer, okay? It's a primer before you put on the main coat. Jesus says, look at you, you are a whitewashed graveyard. You look good from a distance. You look good from far away. Oh my goodness, man, brother look like he can really preach. He look like she can really, she can really, huh? But inside, when I look at your heart, when I look at your intentions, you worship leaders in this room, look at me, let me tell you something. It's not enough to stand up here and hold a mic. When he looks inside, the worship that is on your face, is it in your heart? You young people that say you love the Lord and you're a believer and you're a Christian, when people see you, they say, oh, he goes to church. But when he looks inside, you see, God can see my insides. The word of God can split intention from spirit. When he looks inside, does he see what you're portraying? Are you hearing me? It's so important. The heart, say the heart. He looks at it. So he says that, go to verse, go to verse 28. I want us to look at something. Listen, he said, even, you, even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I'm talking about the heart of worship today. See, a lot of you, you're on the drums, you're on the keys, you're holding mics, you're, you're, you're watching doors, you're on Instagram, you're, you're, great, great, do it for the Lord. You're not doing it unto men necessarily. But when he looks in, back to the inside, does he see hypocrisy and lawlessness? Does he see someone who has no desire for submission to him? Be very careful. He's talking about these people. 
I want us to also look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read from verse 1 to 5 real quick because Paul addresses this talking to Timothy, his spiritual son. Listen to what he says. A lot of folks like, you seen the UFO? How many of y'all saw the UFO this week? There was a whole lot of jibber-jabber about UFOs. Any of y'all heard about it? It was on the news. You saw it? Okay. Yeah, it's on the news. They're aliens. They're aliens. What are you afraid of? We got cicadas. That's worse than aliens in my book. Them things are hideous. And so we're so concerned about aliens, and we think, okay, Jesus is coming soon. Let me tell you what he says. Paul speaking to Timothy concerning the last days. He says, but know this, Paul speaking, that in the last days, perilous times, terrible times, unbearable times will come. Go to the next verse. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Young people, we're talking about these people. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, ungrateful, unholy. Next verse, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. Traitors, oh, we're going somewhere. This is the sign of the last days. Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. These people, that's what I'm talking about. Look how he ends verse five. Look at verse five. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. These people. The ones who look like they love God. The one who looks like they're serving God. But inside of them is everything else that Paul talked about. Ungrateful, unthankful, boasters, proud, lovers of money. Oh, but I go to church. That's cool. My goodness, come to church. But it's not enough to just sit in a pew. Your heart has to be one with the church. You can say you love God all day with your hands in your mouth. But if your heart, young people, is not full of love for him, love for his things, love for his community, love for his word, in love with Jesus, his spirit, be careful. You fall in the category of these people. You guys still here? Yeah, it's important. We're talking about the heart of worship today. I want us to go, go back to Matthew 15. I want us to go back to that verse real quick. Matthew 15, 8 to 9. I want us to look at another part of that verse. So first, he talks about these people. Say these people. Come on, come on, talk to me. I know you got your mask on, you can barely breathe, it's hard. We'll soon be without mask. Promise you. But say these people. He identifies what kind of people he's talking about, but then he shifts and he says, draw near to me with their mouth. Draw, how do you draw near to somebody with your mouth? <laughs> I had to, yeah, somebody did it in the crowd. Y'all foolish. Mm. <laughs> what are you trying? Back up off me. Social distancing is still a thing. Don't come breathing your hot breath on me. Don't draw near to me, bro. Like right there is good. They draw near to me with their mouth. What is he saying? They're saying the right things. They, I mean, they know how to say the right words. There's, I mean, look, man, they know how to say this stuff, man. You know how we speak that Christianese stuff, right? But let me look at something else here. When he says draw near, really, the heart of worship requires proper posture and proximity. Let me say that again. The heart of worship requires proper posture and proximity. Worship leaders, listen, 
Those of you that are, that are in love with Jesus, you've got to be in the, in the presence. You see, I love the testimony of Mary. Mary knew how to sit at his feet with her best. Mary took the alabaster box and broke it, and Judah said, girl, that could have been spent on some homeless person, knowing he was, he was trying to take the money and steal it. But Jesus said they, they're doing the right thing. They're drawing in. When was the last time you drew into his presence? And sat at his feet and heard him speak. I know it can be challenging because I too have my challenges with that idea. But this is what it takes if you're going to be the worshiper that he requires. The Bible says the Father is seeking true worshipers. Those that will come, not, I mean, not by force, not your mama dragging you across the street. You better let's go to church. If you don't go to church, no PS4 today stuff. No. Or some guilt trip, and you come in here because I know I got to fulfill all righteousness. No, the Lord says, come because you want to. Draw near because you desire. But obviously, these folks are drawing near with their mouth only. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Oh, my God, it's so important. Let's go to John chapter 4, verse 8. I want you to see something. I want you to see something. John 4, here you go. Listen, 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 listen. This is God speaking through the apostle John. He says this. He says, draw near to God and he will do what? Come on, read it. It's there. What does it say? Draw near to God and he will what? He will do what? Come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, I know you can, you can speak behind the mask, young man. Come on. Draw near to God and he will do what? God is not sitting up here like, okay, are you close yet? Oh, you're not here yet. Are you with? No. As you, are, as you are making your attempts to draw near, God is also responding by drawing near. Oh, I talked about Legion. You remember the story, right? I talked about Legion. Legion came running. Jesus appears in the Gadarenes, and he's walking, and as Legion is running, Jesus doesn't turn back and say, oh, there, there goes a sinner coming. I better get out of here. I'm too holy. No. As Legion was running, Jesus was coming. As Legion was running, Jesus was coming. Because God desires intimacy. Oh, you online, listen to me. God wants to be in your presence. Even with your faults, even with your guilt, even with your, your, the condemnation that you've had all week, God is saying, if you would just try me, just come a little closer. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. That is a promise. It is a promise. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to deserve it. You just have to say, you know what, God? I just got done messing with porn, but I'm coming. Oh, I just got done drinking some alcohol, but I'm coming. I just got done doing the worst of the worst. I'm coming. Just come as you are. I can promise you, you will meet him. Somebody hear me. It's very important. That's the heart of worship. The heart that says, I'm, my proximity and my posture is, Lord, I'm coming. I'm coming to see you. But listen, he also says this. He says, do what? Cleanse your hands. So we're talking about this sanitizing again. Remember? And uh, Matthew, I told you the scribes and the Pharisees were upset eh? because Jesus' disciples were not cleansing their hands. They were so concerned with the dirty hands that they weren't concerned with the sinful hands. Oh, somebody hear me. I can have dirt and mud on my hands and still do good deeds. 
But my hands can be clean without any dirt and still do dirty deeds. It's not about the external stuff. It is about my intention. How I use my hands. How I use my hands. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Stop touching things that defile your heart. Stop getting involved in things that will mess up the character of Christ that you carry. Stop handling. He said, don't handle, don't touch, don't taste. Get away from that stuff. But grace got me covered. Yes, grace got you covered, but there are consequences to poor action. These hands. I told you a couple of weeks ago, the same hands that David took care of the sheep with were the same hands that he played the harp with. God needs your hands to be cleansed. Why? Because he wants to use these same hands to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to do good deeds unto the Lord that will bring him glory. But how dare you play the drums, play the keys, sing on this stage with the same hands you turn around the next week and go and get your hands on some stuff you got no business. Uh-oh. Promise you, I ain't come for, for, for you. But I believe this is the heart of the Father in this season. Your hands, people, are for him. Jesus bled all that blood to cleanse your hands. Your cleansing is not by your own work, it's by his blood. He said, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. There go that heart thing again, the heart of worship. Pure, how do I pure, how, David said, how can a young man keep his way pure? How many of you know the answer to that? Come on, if you got the answer, raise your hand. I'll, I'll see you after church. How, David asked the question, H-O-W, I told you about how. How can a young man keep his way pure? Crickets. You online, crickets. You thinking, well, uh, I got to do this, I got to do that. No, 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 no. That's one thing you got to do. Hide his word in your heart. That's what David said. Hide the word in your heart. Hi, say hi. Come on, say hi. You're learning something. Say hi. The word in my heart. You see, when the word is in your heart, your mind becomes single focus. When the word is in your heart, your mind becomes focused on Jesus. But when my mind is over here and my mind is over there and I'm thinking about this and thinking about that, I'm all over the place. He says, you double-minded person. You are unstable in all your ways. You're unable to, you wonder why your life could be spiraling out of control. Let me tell you something. I was there. I know what I'm talking about. At one point in my life, I couldn't figure out left from right, right from left. I mean, I was all over the place. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be that. I, I was all over the place trying to figure it out. But I said, Lord, this thing is all about you. It's all about you. I'm coming back to the, come on, sing it if you know it. Heart of worship where it's all about you. That song, it shouldn't just be a song. It needs to become a reality for you and for me. Because when it's all about him, that single focus on the kingdom, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you're worried about. The money, the opportunities, the open doors. How my scholarship going to come? I said, seek first the kingdom. How am I going to find somebody that eventually I'm going to marry? Seek first the kingdom. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How, how, how? The heart of worship is how. And all these things. Purify your hearts. Get the word in your heart. Look, all you got to do is get the word in your heart. The word will do the cleaning. <laughs> Somebody asked me, so how do you stop cussing? It's simple. Get the word in your heart. Don't try to stop cussing. Just get the word in your heart. 
how do I stop getting engaged in pornography? Simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get the word in your heart. How do I overcome pride, anger, all these things? Get the word in your heart. There's no rocket science to it. It's real simple. So he says, he says, these people, though, these people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, with their lips. You know this, you know this tongue, this tongue is a dangerous mug. How many of y'all know your tongue is dangerous? Your t- how many, how many of you ever bit your tongue? How many bit your tongue recently? What did you do after you bit your tongue? Did you slap yourself? Ah, you, <laughs> you in a lot of pain. You can't slap yourself when you do it to yourself. Let's look at what the, t- I want us to see something here. James talks about it well. Go to James 3, 8 to 8, uh, James 3, 8 to 10. This dude, James is like that. So listen, he said, they honor me with their mouth. So, sorry, they draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. Let's talk about the tongue real quick because a lot of us don't understand that this weapon that we have in our, in between, in our, in between our lips. We take it for granted, the tongue. Hmm? James says, no man but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. How many of y'all this week struggle with your tongue? Hello? I'm the only one confessing my sins at the altar, that's fine. Oh, come on, man. Somebody get on your last nerve. You about to... You, you probably you had to bite your tongue because you was going to say something wrong to him. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, especially if you, you, you trying to be a Christian, your good old Christian self, you walking and, and, and I heard somebody say, you want to know what's in your heart? Go ahead and stub your toe on a rock. What is in you will show up. Let somebody offend you. What is in you? Oh, man, you can be up here singing, we love you, Lord. Boop. Man, you blanket it. Boop. Uh-huh, yeah, uh, yeah, I know all y'all saved. We, we are saved, blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled. But what's in you will come out of your mouth when you're faced with the challenge. I'm talking about the heart of worship. I'm talking about your heart is the storage and your mouth is the pulpit. The release point. So James says, this thing is full of deadly poison. Go to the next verse. Let's go. We're going to make this thing quick. With it, listen, with it we, say we, say we, we, I come on Sunday, we, on Saturday, we, care group, we, we bless our God and Father, but with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God or in the same image of God. Listen, look up. Don't look at your phone. Don't look at the, skill, the ceiling. Look here. Don't use this mouth of yours and say, I'm coming to praise God, and your brother or your sister offends you, and you say, man, look here. I would, mm-hmm. In what better way does God get the glory? In what better way? There's no other way for God, truly. The way that we get to know that God is good is by the way we treat people. Mm-hmm. What we say to people. How we talk to people. Uh, yes, offend me. I'm not responsible for your offense, but I'm responsible for my defense. How I act when, after you've mistreated me shows the content of my heart. What I say shows what's really inside of me. And he says, you can bless God but curse men? You double-minded person? 
There's a dichotomy that exists that should not exist. Because when I see her and I see him and I see you and it should be the same way I will honor God is the same way I need to honor you because you are full of Christ. It's not about position, whether the person that pastor or the person that elder, or the, it does not matter. We are all equal in the sight of God. And James is saying here by, by the unction of the spirit, you can't do that. That, that. that don't exist. Go to verse 10, real quick, real quick. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Young people, I know it's the fad of your age. Say whatever you want to say, no big deal, just quiet. I mean, some of y'all, if I followed you in the deep, dark crevice of your heart, you probably cussing me out now. Because you blow me, Uncle V. Pastor, you blow me. I ain't even trying to hear that blankety blank. I hear you. You're like, amen. I'll hear it say amen. When it's like, man, that's okay. I'm telling you. We cannot live contradictory lives. Why? Because I told you last week, my actions could very well lead to somebody's deliverance or somebody's incarceration to sin. The way I talk to people, the way I speak to people could very well lead somebody to Christ or be like, man, I don't want to be a Christian no time soon. Gandhi said, I would have almost become a Christian until I met one. Are you hearing me? What we do is crucial. This mouth, the contents of our heart, say, I got to be careful. Come on, say it, say it, say, I got to be careful. Say, I got to be careful. Come on. Say, I got to be careful. All right. Let's go to point number three. Go back to Matthew 15. Uh, 15. Let's look at that verse one more time. Let's go back to Matthew. Okay. So, we talked about these people. These people, who? The religious folks. The folks who had it all going on. They looked good from the outside, but inside they were what? Garbage trash. We talked about the content of the mouth and, and how dangerous the tongue can be when it's not submitted to Christ. But then I want us to look at what he said. He said, but their hearts is far from me and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. Let's talk about the heart. Let's talk about the heart. I'm not talking about the muscle that's beating in your chest. Do, 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 do. But let me even use that as, as, as an example, right? Because the heart is the engine that makes your blood flow. True or false? If your heart stopped beating this very moment, I don't care how big your muscles are, how long your hair is, how pretty you may look, how good you may smell, if your heart stops beating, you are a corpse. Are you hearing me? If your heart stops functioning, or if there's any clot in the vessels, or if there's any failure in the rhythm, oh my key, the rhythm of your heart matters. The way your heart beat matters. They'll tell you, oh, sir, ma'am, you know, we need to do some extra tests because your heart rhythm is out of, some of us, our heart of worship is out of sync with the Lord. Our heart beats. It used to at one point in time beat for Jesus. My goodness, I couldn't wait to get into his presence. Now I'm like, I barely want to go there because somebody broke my heart. I used to run to his word. I'm like, I'm like uh, I'd rather get on my phone and go through IG, make a TikTok video, read a book that I really like. I'll get to the word later. I mean, your heart is out of sync. 
There are things that have found its way in there, and you know, bitterness is an issue. Listen to me. Somebody hear me. Bitterness is like cancer. Have you ever seen the image of cancer? Cancer literally, I saw it one time, it, I mean it's an ugly mug, it literally has prongs that, that find its way into the cells and it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it occupies it in such a way where its desire is to take over. Don't allow bitterness to take over your heart. Don't, ooh, don't, don't allow it. Don't allow it. In this season, the Lord wants to use your hands. He wants to use your mouth. He wants to use you. And the enemy's goal is if I can get into that heart. And if I can cause the offense that he or she received, if I can cause it to be rooted, you see, day one is like, eh, no big deal, no big deal. But then somebody else does something that reminds you of the offense, oh boy, they, they really working me. Day three, day four, by the time you realize it, you got a bitterness garden in your heart. Are you hearing me? Say the heart of worship is important. Mm-hmm. The enemy knows if I can get your heart choked with yourself. And your schisms and your issues, I don't even have to worry about you. You'll go to church and you're not even a threat to me. Are you hearing me? Yeah. You can be in this house, you can hear this word, and not be a threat to me. And I was saying to, the, to, to one of the young ladies earlier, I said, you come here, whether on Saturday or you're online or wherever you are, and you hear the word, listen, this is just a pep rally. I'm just here to encourage you by the grace of God. Hopefully you get one or two or three points out of here. But the truth is, the real Christian re-experience is out there. When you leave this house, or you leave your bedroom and you go into your kitchen, huh? the condition of your heart is so crucial to your experience. So you can come in here and look the part, and leave out of here, and don't even be the part. Your heart rhythm matters, your heartbeat matters. Let's go to Matthew 6.21 real quick. I want you to see this. Matthew 6.21. I'll be done in five. Matthew 6.21. Jesus said it this way. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will what? You want to know where somebody's heart is? Look at what they value. Really. You want to know what somebody's heart is? Look at what they give time to, money to, energy to. You can say your heart is about the things of God, but if I look at your, you know how Apple always reminds you of how many hours you spent on your phone? I mean, it breaks down. You were on social media for like 30 hours. You were in your Bible for like two minutes. In my line, how many iPhone users in here? You know what I'm talking about? Like if, if, we, if we looked at your usage, we'll be surprised. I, and, and there's no shade. I know some of you probably, it's the opposite. 30 hours in your Bible and two minutes on Snap, but, or TikTok, or I'm believing for that person here today. Hallelujah, glory. Okay? But it's simple. Where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. So say all day long you love God, but when we look at what you're investing time into, that's where the proof is. If I say I love my wife, I better spend time with her at home. We better go out on dinner dates. We better find quality time to just do nothing. Right? But I can't say I love her and then I'm spending all my time on my computer. I'm on the phone talking to somebody else because whoever gets my time gets my mind. Somebody don't miss that. Whoever gets my time has my full attention and they can tell me whatever they want to and I'll believe it. Why? Because I spend so much time with them. That's why God is saying draw near to me because I want to reveal myself to you. 
I want to show you my desire for you, young man. I've already told you in Joel 2, 20, uh, 26 to 28, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all of you. That's my desire. I want you to be so full of me. So when people see you, they see me. But how are you going to know that if you don't spend time talking to them? Really? I mean, you online. Nobody in the room. I know everybody in the room does it. But you, you on, on Instagram. Huh? How? Your heart. The stuff you treasure. Yeah, that identifies it. Okay? Let's go to one more verse and I'll probably... I'm trying to stop, but it's just so much I want to say. But I'll probably stop on this one. Proverbs 4, 20 to 23. Okay. This is Solomon, the great Solomon, the wisest man to ever walk the planet. Solomon, other than Jesus. Solomon, the one who had also had, he had 300 blue things and 700 others. <laughs> Don't you dare clap to that boy. <laughs> like, I want to be like Solomon, a thousand problems. I mean, like, you, the, you are the first day of January. I'm not going to see you for the next five years problem. That dude had a thousand women. A young man. I know you think, I know you think it's cool to have many of them. Your heart should belong to only one. I'm not just talking to the men because it's young women. Y'all know, know what I'm talking about. You're a married one. I'm not looking around the room. I'm looking online. The one that God gives you. That's what, So Solomon is speaking to his son. Listen to what he says. He says, my son, give attention to my words. Pay attention to what you're hearing today. My son, give, which means I need your eyes. I need your focus right here. Incline your ear to my sayings, which means come a little higher, a little closer, so you can hear what I'm saying. Some of us, we just hear the word and we walk by it. God is saying in this season, come close, come high. Do not let them depart from your eyes. If you check your eyes, get, get your eyes examined, your vision test. What have you been looking at the entire 12 months COVID was here? Or it's still here, the pandemic. This global issue we've had. Whatever you spend so much time looking at, I'm telling you, that has programmed you. You wonder why your attitude's a little, eh, eh, you know what I'm talking about? Your eyes, what you been looking at? Who you been looking at matters. He says, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them where? In the midst of your heart. He is talking about the word. He said, my son, give your attention to my word. Bring your ears close. Keep your eyes fixed. Don't let it escape you because for they are life to those who find them and health. Don't go anywhere. Let me stay here for a second. They are the word that I'm giving you. He said, my word I'm giving you. You see, the word that you're hearing, they're not just something we're saying. The word is life to those who find them. And health to all their flesh. You, you run into the hospital to take medication right now. Get that word in you. You run into a psychiatrist because I'm struggling for mental health issues. Get that word in you. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not knocking that. I know a lot of folks have chemical imbalances. That's a real thing. But listen to me. Get that word in you. Are you hearing me? He says it is life and it is health. Go to verse 23. This is where it matters most. And I'll wrap it up here. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life.
Oh, God, help us. He says, keep this word. Lock it up. David said it. How do I make my way pure? By hiding this word in my heart. Young people, the heart of worship requires you to have the word of God in your heart. Because the revelation of Jesus is wrapped up in the word. The reality of his spirit is wrapped up in his word. Uh, the understanding of his love is wrapped up in his word. And when this word becomes a full part of your heart, you won't even struggle to raise your hands when it's time to worship. You won't even struggle to say nice things to people. You won't even, I mean, it will be no struggle for you. Somebody hear me. I said, how? The heart of worship. Keep your heart protected. Don't allow anybody and everybody to have access to the secret place. Because out of it will spring the issues of your life. The emotional issues. The psychological issues. The stuff that you're going through. It's your heart. Your heart has been exposed. People have been trying to find a way to get in there and you're thinking the people is your problem. No, the enemy is your problem and he's using people to get to your heart. And the minute you understand that reality and you shut the door and say, no, no more room for you, bro. No more room. This belongs to Jesus. This belongs to Jesus. Point to your heart. This is a figurative moment, right? But the reality is I'm not talking about the muscle in your chest. I'm talking about your spirit, man. Yeah, your soul, your body. Lord Jesus, my body belongs to you. My soul belongs to you. My heart belongs to you. My mind belongs to you. My emotions, somebody, let's make that a prayer as we prepare to take the communion. This is why he died. He died so your heart could be cleansed. Prepare. If you're watching at home, go ahead and get you some bread, get some juice, whatever you got to do, do it quickly. We're going to take the communion. He says, as often as you eat and drink, you do this in remembrance of me. But listen, 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 listen. All of this means nothing if your heart does not belong to him. I don't know who's here watching today, but I want to just say this to you. In this season, the Lord wants your heart. He don't mind your hands being raised. That's cool. We need to raise our hands. He don't mind your mouth moving. But ultimately, he wants the heart because when the heart is right, your worship is right. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to do the communion.